Shall we begin? Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the first thing you want to do? It's time. It's time. Did you just say it's time? Help! I need somebody. Help! Don't ask me a question. If you don't want to hear what my answer is, I'm gonna answer. Not just anybody. You know I need someone. Ladies and gentlemen, it's finally here. Today is the day, Rebecca. I'm so excited about this. Shock Therapy Live on the Nathan Beck's podcast. It's happening. It's actually happening. It is today, my friends. Your questions getting answers finally. Whew. Like, this is such a a big deal. We had to skip last week just to prepare for it. (laughs) Right. That's why we skipped last week. That is exactly why the podcast Yeah, We are not lying at all. (laughs) Sorry about that. By the way, for no podcast last week. But this week... had to do a lot of apologizing. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to talk about it. Today is the day, though. The number to text in your questions for next time, because trust me, after today, you will want to partake... 816-787-1511 is the number to text to get your questions eventually answered next time we do Shock Therapy Live, which will be the end of October. Yeah, the fourth Wednesday in October. Which will be uh, one, two, three, four, the 23rd. Oh my gosh, that'll be a week before I move into my new house. Oh my gosh, it'll be a big week. That's it. Hey, you know who's here? Who? The one and only. Pastor John Wesley Crockett. Hello. What's up, Nathan and Bex? Welcome to the show for the very first time. It and is so it, good to be here. Don't call me Bex. It's weird. Well, it just it fits with the show title. and it's You're, you're my husband. It's, so that's true. This is very true. It feel really weird if you if Nathan doesn't even call me Bex. But that's it's a dream out. come true to actually see the title when it's posted on social media, and yet now I'm sitting in your presence, a part of this show. It's fantastic. Welcome. Welcome. It's great. Thanks for coming. So honored. Thanks for having me. Dude, I'm excited. We this needed is it. somebody educated to be here. <laughs> well, seriously. I mean, I don't know how I feel about that. You're the, a lot of pressure. You're the okay? smartest person in the room right now. <laughs> I don't know about that. You got the highest education. Well, if you see me, I got red hair. And, you know, I can't say that that's always in my favor. So <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Could be worse. Could be I blonde. Mean, well, I grew up with two older brothers, and they're like, you're the redheaded stepchild. You don't belong here. <laughs> you know, and it was just this internal chaos by being redheaded, not feeling apart. So, Are you, are you the only redhead in your family? Yes, this is oh. true. Yeah. His, grand, his grandfather was a redhead. Yes, this is interesting. But yes. he passed before John Wesley was born. Mm-hmm. My beard is red, and there's nobody in my family with red hair. Well, see, that's why we're such good friends, Nathan, because there's only so many of us around. Right. You got to give it up for the gingers. I've got I've got a little ginger. So, I'm not full-blown no, ginger. Just no. a little ginger. Gingerly ginger, you know? But the first time I met you, I'm like, ooh, I could get along with this guy. That guy has a red beard. So yes. we got a I lot did. of great questions <laughs> texted in over the last couple of weeks. And they're not all like serious, deep topics, which I'm really happy about. So it's kind of a mix. So this isn't going to be like a real downer show. Um, and we have got like some some just like real daily advice questions. Yeah. So I'm excited to dive in. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be so exciting. Are we are we doing this? Are we starting? 
right now? Wait, I with thought we already started. No, I mean like with the questions. Oh. Like, is, are we starting the series? I mean, part? are you ready? To, are you ready to start with the questions? Yeah, I'm like, ready. Just, I just do you didn't have know if anything we were gonna, else planned. I just didn't know if we we're gonna chat for a little bit. I mean, we can go straight you into talk it. about we got why lots we of questions. didn't do the last podcast. Or nope, do you want let's to go just jump to the into the questions. Questions, okay. it is. All right. So first question. Hey guys, love the podcast. So I'm giving up soda and having a hard time with it. Any advice would be great. Okay, I think all of us at some point has given up soda mm-hmm. in yes. our lifetime. Mm-hmm. All of us are currently drinking soda right now. No. So, well, not at this moment. Oh, yes. But we we do drink <laughs> we do drink soda. Nathan, why don't you share your story first? Yeah, sure. So I I only drink soda. This is really weird and I get a lot of weird looks, but I only <laughs> drink carbonated sugar beverages whenever they are in a glass bottle. Hmm. And that's basically because I know that if I were to drink it from a can or a two liter or whatever, I would be drinking pop nonstop. And that's not healthy. But I also Mm. love soda. So I was like, I'll meet myself somewhere in the middle. It started because I had braces, didn't want to drink a lot of sugar because then you get weird white spots on your teeth. So they're like, no soda, no like high sugar, anything. So I was like, cool. So I stopped drinking soda. After a year, I started drinking only sugar-free soda. And then um, after that, I was like, sugar-free kind of sucks. So instead of that, I'm just going to go full sugar, but only whenever I have it in a glass bottle, which at the time was only whenever I would go to Tennessee for Owen Rogers Soda Parlor. So basically, once a year, I would partake in the soda. So when Nathan told me this, I thought, wow, that's a great idea. I think I will make the same rule. However, I just spent, started spending a whole lot more money on soda <laughs> because I started buying a lot of glass bottled soda. <laughs> yeah, oh. <laughs> it turns out you can get it at IV, which I didn't know. Um, so just stay away from IV, essentially. But uh, right, <clears throat> I did go years without drinking soda, like yeah. mm, three years, maybe it was longer years. than that. And people looked at us like, "What's your deal?" Yeah, and I didn't even like at first. It was a little difficult, and I replaced it with some things because, like, I mean, it's like your go-to. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't want water, you drink soda. Or sometimes, like my mom, all she drinks is soda. And so it just runs in the family. I just really like soda. So I found something to replace it with. I'd always like get like the carbonated juice drinks. And then I realized, you know, I'm still drinking a lot of sugar here. Yeah. So I switched it over to tea and not even like sweet tea, just like different flavored teas, but without sweetener in it. And I held to that for like three years. And I remember like the first time it was Dr. Pepper. Mm. Remember it like it was yesterday. Somebody gave me a bottled Dr. Pepper and it just looks so special. And so I decided to go ahead and drink it. Mm. What would be the harm? And it gave me a really bad stomach ache at first, but it tasted so good that then I just started (laughs) and I continued to drink it after that. That's why I don't smoke or drink because I get addicted very quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We also went through this phase where you would take the bottle and you'd put it in the freezer to get that little ice brink to it. Like that Why became like a thing. Why are you saying thing. I'm the one who did that? You're the one no, who no. did that. You, you started still it. do oh that. Gosh. You started it. You do that. And I still, because of you. Wait. This is a real thing. Okay. You're saying, no, I did because not start this. This is your thing. <laughs> it was convincing. It's always been your thing. It was like, okay, we gave it up for three years, but now we're going to reintroduce it. <clears> so it's got to be worth it. Join us next week on the Nathan Beck's podcast whenever Rebecca and Jay West have live <laughs> marriage counseling. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, everything we've said does not help 
the question as of I wow. thought it helped greatly because well, I said you have to replace it with something else. Right. That's a healthier option. Which you do, but what do you replace it with other than tea? You can't have tea all the time. That gets expensive. Yes. Here's what I did. Soda's bottled soda. Here's what I did. Other than bottled soda, because <laughs> I'm drinking stuff like I'm consuming liquids constantly. Uh-huh. I always carry around a bottle of water because if basically I'm always replacing that thirst, like I'm never, I'm never thirsty because uh-huh. I always have a bottle of water. And whenever I don't, then I'm like, shoot, where's my bottle of water? Uh-huh. You also run into the problem of whenever you're at like a party and there's a bunch of two liters and everybody's walking around with mm-hmm. like their pop of choice. Uh-huh. And you're like, what do I drink? I look awkward and I'm thirsty. This pizza is dry. <laughs> you carry around your own bottle of water water is cheap and that way it's like oh, i could get that but mm, i already got water so also really. movie theaters suck without soda like you can't have popcorn without soda i'm just getting icy that's really expensive at a movie theater like that's way more expensive than soda and you don't get refills on that but, yeah you do yeah, you do but on an icy yeah really it's at the same kiosk as the soda is no Yep. I think we're Dude. going to different movie theaters. Um, AMC 21. In Olathe? And 29. The 29 is in Olathe. It's by the Target. Mm. Yeah. Dude, freaking... Just don't get the Coca-Cola icy and you're you're solid. Okay. There was you know? a long time that I did go to movie theaters and didn't drink soda, though. That three years was solid. It was solid. Um... So, yeah. Which leads me to add this, because the listener actually said, you know, what are the value? What's the benefit? So, there's actually a few benefits, right? First one... There's the physical benefit. Wait, why, why did the mental? Sh- they no, didn't it's fine. Ask just let them talk. The it's fine. Just yeah. let him talk. What are, what you got to dig okay. deeper into these questions. That's okay. what they're really asking: the physical, mental, emotional side of it. But here's the here's the caution. So you talked about three years, and I remember in that in that three years is that you had to slowly weed off of it because it became like so abrupt, and it's like that would be train wreck. Are you talking about me? No, I'm just saying because in general. I abruptly quit. Like one day, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm well, not drinking soda anymore. But you understood. Do you know what I did oh. before I stopped drinking soda, which might be helpful mm. information? She drank soda. I did a detox. Like I actually bought like a detox formula and like for a week drank this one stuff that completely cleans your body out. Like you poop a ton like the first three days. Yeah. And it just like really emptied me out. And so then like afterwards, like I felt so clean that I was like, I cannot contaminate my body with the soda. That's what kicked off that three years. Hmm. This is true. Yeah. I remember this. Do you? Because you just said I slowly weaned off Well, of it. you did, but it was through the detox. And I forgot that it was a detox method. So I didn't slowly wean okay. well, off it. Was well, it was because you replaced Okay. <laughs> well, no, that's Nathan fine. is just going to be the referee. <laughs> yeah, gosh. Good thing you're wearing a striped shirt today. Uh, thanks. <laughs> Um, he came prepared. Yeah. So anyway, as you were saying, JOS, it helps. Life. Oh yeah. Like if you do an abrupt, like total, no sugar, that could be pretty detrimental. So my encouragement would be, hey, just take it slow. And if you reintroduce soda, like don't go full force. Yeah. Don't don't, don't go ham. No. Okay. Yeah. That. Yeah, don't go ham. Don't sure. go ham on it. I still have that image of the dry pizza, like in my mind that you mentioned. So I'm kind of wrestling with like, that. Like, oh, I need pop. I'm just yeah. gonna drink a two liter. That. No. Okay. Don't do that. So this texter asked a yeah. second question. Again, they said, "Hey guys, love the podcast." So I went to buy some stuff on Facebook, and the person said to come to their house. 
It freaked mm. me out, so I blocked them. Was I in the right? Well, you weren't in their house, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys are looking at me like I'm supposed to answer um, this? I feel like I could res respond immediately, but I've been so mean to my husband that I'm just mm. gonna let him talk for a while. No, I don't. I think do you have JOS, do you I have any experience in this? I do. On either side, yes. perhaps? I think I think there's a totally your call. Yeah. And one thing, whenever, if we post, <laughs> if I post something on Marketplace or Craigslist or something, it's like, I use the word residence because it sounds like, hey, you can come to my home and buy this. Oh, wait, so you are and inviting strangers well, to our home it's more to of buy like, stuff. It's cautionary, mm -hmm. like, hey, there's a local gas station nearby or our residence is right next to that gas okay, station. Okay, if they're a murderer, do you think they're going to choose the gas station or our residence... The because residence, residence sounds better than our house. True. And the gas station is not like a block away. Okay, so you're worried about the person coming to pick up the thing being a murderer? Yeah. In this situation, the person coming to pick up is worried about the person at the house being I think murderer. both people should be concerned if they're meeting at a house. I say uh, I would never meet somebody at their house. Like... Just go to a gas station or something. I don't know if I'd block the person or for suggesting a, or it. Or the parking lot of a police station. They welcome that. And there's cameras out there. Mm -hmm. So if anything goes down, they can see it. Yeah. I would say there's one exception to this. What? If it is a large furniture item. That's true. It's acceptable to go to the yeah. home for this. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. You kind of have to. But yeah. you might want to check like um, online to see if there's like a predator living at that residence or something Any like that. Any lions. You or... know, at least rule out that. So <laughs> Large bears. My husband has been in such a habit of doing this, of posting stuff online and inviting people to our home to pick up random items, even if it's something really small. So me being a news reporter, what do I do when I have questions about stuff? I do a story on it. So I call the police. And I do a story and I'm like, say, for example, somebody's selling random stuff on Craigslist or Marketplace. What should they do? And he said, don't ever go to somebody's home. And he said, definitely come to the police station in the parking lot. We encourage that. He said, you can even come in the police station. And he said, if you suggest that and the person says no, obviously they had bad motives yep. there. And so anybody who's wanting to, you know, do an upright exchange or purchase, whatever, they're going to be willing to go to the police department to make that exchange. Like I said, an exception if it's a furniture mm -hmm. item. And so I talked to the police officer about this and he said, just do a general search of that person's name yep. and see what you can find out you or can, at least their address. You can find a lot about somebody just yeah. by their name. You can. Yeah. Yeah. I could find my house. Just by knowing my name. <laughs> yeah, and just in light of that, it's like the background, which I do that each time, and generally, unless it's a large furniture item, which we've had a lot recently, has been meeting out in the driveway nearest the street. So right. it's like you're standing there texting like, hey, I'm this house down, and I'll be standing in the driveway with the item. And so and typically it's a knife. No. A gun. What if you're selling Rebecca. a knife? <laughs> I think definitely <laughs> side with caution. Definitely side with caution. He Do was some holding research. a knife. Well, what were you buying? A <laughs> knife? <laughs> <laughs> all right, next question. Do you want me to read all the questions? I don't know, man. Okay, I guess I'll just be the official reader here. It's good. How do I get my five-month-old to sleep through the night? 
Nathan. Oh, man. You have the biggest family. Yes. You've got to be an expert on this subject. Right. Um, Typically, the way I get through the night whenever there's a young child in the house is by ignoring all sounds coming from their room. And usually somebody else will take care of it. That's not bad advice at all. Yeah. Just ignore it. But if you don't want to neglect your child. There is that. Yeah. There, there is other advice. It's been a long time since I've had a, a baby, but after they were like three months old, they should be sleeping through the night. Mm-hmm. And so uh, with my daughter, Grace, I would try and try and get her to sleep and she would like scream all night long. And eventually I just, I couldn't handle it anymore. So I just laid her down in the crib and let her cry it out. And I know some people are against the whole cry it out thing, but it totally worked. Like the first night was really, really hard because she cried a lot. And then the second- She still does. (laughs) Okay, that's true. The second night, it was a lot less. And then by the third night, she was sleeping through the night. But she was so used to like getting up in the middle of the night and eating, which man, she still has a problem with. Okay, I'm learning a lot about Grace just by telling these stories. Yeah, she still stays up all night and eats throughout the night. So, yeah, I'm not good at giving advice on this one. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry, what's you Jealous, got anything yeah. on this? You know, I just was going to give you a compliment, actually. Oh, th- oh my gosh, thank because you. Because you, all those years, you would just let me sleep because you had it <laughs> because under control. Because I didn't trust you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my okay? gosh. I don't think I'm the expert speaking to this, but I'll tell you, being in family <laughs> oh ministry for, mm, gosh, we've been in family ministry for 15 years. There are so many different family rhythms that people... Figure it out. 15? I thought we've been in it for like 20 years. Well, actually. Haven't we been in ministry since we got married? Yes, this is true. But primarily the last 15 with the amount of ministry. We've only done a good job the last 15 years. Okay. So the other five didn't count? Okay. You're (laughs) saying that. That's so funny. Sorry, everybody. That was under our leadership the first five years. That is really funny. But no, I think there's just a lot to that in your family. And I think, gosh, what you just shared, you know. It was encouraging because you were able to navigate that in ways that was like, holy smokes, I had no idea that's what you do to help her calm down. Can I tell everybody what you did the, the one time sure. that I That liked, one time. The one time I tried to let you put, okay, it happened once with each child. Mm-hmm. I only allowed this mm-hmm. to happen once. Once. Okay. Which is really wise. So our son is the first <laughs> one and I was exhausted and- our son was like up constantly. He was the first one. I didn't realize how horrible of a sleeper he was because he was our first child. And I was only 21 years old when we had a baby. So John Wesley decided one night he, w- he was going to take the shift for me and let me sleep a little bit longer. And so I fed him and then I hand him off to John Wesley and he's going to burp him and put him, put him in bed for me. So I go back and I lay down And I'm like trying to go to sleep and I'm like, oh, it's going to be fine. He's going to take care of him. But then I start hearing this. Are you spanking? And I'm like, what is happening to my like one month old baby in there? And like, I'm like, it'll stop. It'll stop. I'm exhausted. I'm just like trying to tell myself it's okay. But I just keep hearing. <laughs> so I crawl out of bed and I go in there. This poor baby does not have a shirt on and he is just smacking its back oh. trying to burp him. Anyway, I was like, put a shirt on that poor baby. 
when you try to burp him <laughs> instead of just smacking his back. And then I was like, fine, just give him to me. I'll do it. Okay, so second time, we never had that situation again because I never woke John Wesley up to help me again. Mm. So next child, Grace, um, screaming all night long. And so I let him get up and like take her for me. What did you do in this one? Now I don't remember. What did you do with Grace that I ended up not letting you? Did you lose her? No. Was that the one where you couldn't remember? Like, <laughs> oh my okay. gosh. There was a time where once we lost no. our baby. <laughs> I can't remember which kid it was. Can people, can somebody call child services whenever your children are basically adults? No, they survived. They're good now. We couldn't remember if we laid the baby down in her, his or her crib. And I can't remember which child it was, but I remember we were looking all over our room for our child. <laughs> it's called lack of sleep. <laughs> Fatigue and exhaustion. And this baby was muddy. safe and sound in their crib. <laughs> right, right. Okay, right. I'm just going to say you did nothing wrong with Grace. Everything was perfectly fine there. I learned. <clears throat> I learned. Cool. Perfect. <laughs> that solves that person's question, okay. I'm sure. They are so thankful. Here's the thing. That question is so real more often than you'd like to admit, but that's what a lot of realities of, of families dealing with that. And it's just, man, get a close group of friends who understand that can talk with you, laugh with you, and just walk through that. That's also, closing out this question, yeah. um, my mom had suggested to me when the baby wasn't sleeping through the mm. night to start feeding them cereal, um, and that holds them over longer, and so they, they'll be full or longer and sleep through the night. So you could try that. <laughs> All right. Question number three, technically number four, because one of them was two questions. Mm-hmm. Okay, this one, should I read that whole thing? I apologize for the typos because I'm using voice to text. I typed out a whole message and then I lost it. So anyway, hi, Rebecca and Nathan. Hi. I have a topic that may be too heavy. Nothing is too heavy. Ask away. But it's something I've always wondered and wanted to get a pastor's opinion on. And that is suicide and heaven. Whether or not someone who commits suicide gets to heaven, that's basically my message I rant on before, but I want now, I'm just curious what the pastor might think. If it's too heavy of a topic, I understand. Love the show. I'm a new listener. One of Jonathan's 11. Oh, it's one of you. That's super cool. All right. Pastor J. West, you can go on this one. Well, first of all, this this is a very, very delicate subject, and I'm so proud of you for just initiating it because the reality is, is that every one of us is affected or even impacted because we know of someone who's taken their life. And so it's a subject that typically isn't talked about because it's, it's so heartbreaking. But there's something very real in that question, and I love it that you as a listener have asked it because we all understand the reality that suicide is a permanent loss uh, to a temporary battle. And that is something that in the moment for that person, it doesn't feel temporary. And so when we talk about surrounding those and walking closely with those, which we'll talk a little bit more here and a little bit about walking along those who are just deeply scarred, deeply hurting, feeling like they're without hope. Uh, but what I love about this particular listener's question is it's specifically asking about suicide in heaven, how those complement or go to battle against one another. But here's the thing. Suicide alone doesn't keep a person out of heaven. So we need to make sure that that's very, very clear. Just like stealing, lying, or cheating keeps a person out of heaven. That, that's not the case. Suicide alone does not keep a person out of heaven. Here's the thing. What keeps a person out of heaven, according to this question that the listener is asking, is this. 
what keeps a person out of heaven is unbelief. That's, that's the biggest thing, is that where there is no evidence of a person who's surrendered to Christ through repentance and faith, which flips the switch from unbelief to belief, that's, that's the factor of, of change. In fact, here's what's really important to understand about this particular subject is that it's not your job or my job to determine if that person is saved or going to heaven because that's a personal decision between them and the Lord if they've come to faith and repentance. And so that personal decision is what carries the weight. And that's why there is a huge, huge call that if you as a person know the gospel, that we walk with people who are hurting, who maybe have never heard the gospel, the message of hope and forgiveness to be able in the midst of that darkness to know that there is a light that gives a way out. Um, But because this is a subject that affects both believers and non-believers, the fact of our humanity that we all wrestle with self-doubt and fear and all those things, the reality is this, that suicide is not the unforgivable sin, okay? That's another big factor into this question, is that God has always provided a way, and the reality is, is this, God will look at our lives, our whole lives, and the evidence of whether we belong to him will be assessed, not on the basis of our failure alone, more than any other failure alone, because why would the last one be the decisive moment when the others are just as serious, you know? And so it's important that in this question, because it's a very sensitive topic, it's very delicate, but there's hope. And we can walk with people who have gone through that, um, who have had to navigate that kind of hurt. But to give, to give comfort that when someone's facing a loss like that, um, that we just that we put it in the Lord's hands and be like, you know, God, I want to make sure that I know that I know because when I struggle or doubt or fear, uh, those things can be, they can blindside us. So I really appreciate this listener's question. This is a question I had growing up because I was told early on that if somebody committed suicide, they yeah. automatically go to hell. And I don't even know where that came from. Sure. Because it's not in scripture. It doesn't say if you commit suicide, that's unforgivable, mm-hmm. you're going to hell. It doesn't say that. And you know, recently we heard a story about a pastor that spoke a lot yeah. on depression, Correct. Um, struggled with it himself. He committed suicide recently. Yeah. And so the issue is, like you said, it, it's a matter of whether you believe in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior or not, yeah. and not whether you committed suicide. You know, if you don't believe and you commit suicide, that's hell. If you do believe and you commit suicide, heaven. Yeah. I mean, it's something that everyone's looking for the answer of, is there hope in the midst of this subject? And the answer is yes. First Corinthians ten thirteen, which talks about that God is faithful. And that is just to help in that perspective shift, because I think a lot of us and just what we've heard and not necessarily what we've studied or researched in the scriptures about this topic um, gives us a false impression like it's this unforgivable sin. Um, and so, you know, if you're a family that's been walking through that or who has maybe faced that, there is hope, and uh, the fact that the, the reality of it is it's between the person and the Lord. And uh, like you had mentioned, that there's even been people in ministry over decades of service and, and leadership in the kingdom uh, who've taken their lives. And for whatever reason, there's a lot of factors probably involved in why, but again, it goes back to between them and the Lord. And it's not something that we have obviously, we don't encourage, and we want to make sure people are aware that it's a very real uh, need in people's lives, and it's important that we have a better understanding about it. 
Yeah, and if you're if you're suffering from depression, don't yeah. be afraid to reach out and yes, get help. Yes, exactly. And nothing to be ashamed of. There's lots and lots of people out there that are dealing with. And that. we certainly want to make sure they understand and know from this. So we, um, in what Rebecca just said, hey, if you are struggling with that, that just know that we're doing everything possible in ministry to let people know that that's not your best option. Suicide is not your best option. There's another way that God has provided for you to have help and rescue. Yeah, I heard a preacher say recently that the best, um, oh, now I'm not, can't remember exactly what term he used, but he was talking about some of the greatest decisions are in the graveyard, mm. that um, people who died before their time had great things that they still had yeah. yet to do and accomplish, mm-hmm. and now those things sit in a graveyard. And so um, if you're contemplating that, there is so much for you ahead yeah. of you in life, and um, there is hope in that, and it is temporary, even though it feels like it's something that's mm-hmm. going to go on forever. There is help out there, and I encourage you to uh, reach out, get it connected in your local church and get some help, or um, see a counselor, psychologist, yeah. or just your family doctor, yeah. and, st- and start a conversation about getting help with that. Yep, great, great way to start a conversation here, and really honored to, to be able to engage that. All right, next question. Yeah, cool. Okay. Nathan, I think mm-hmm. you are probably the most educated in this right now because you're like fresh off a class about this. What is the best way to save, not spend money? Like, is there a good app to help manage your money or should I just get an accountability partner or something? Uh, the answer is yes to both. Accountability partners help in every part of your life and you can have multiple for different parts of your life, whatever you're trying to, you can get an accountability partner for uh, keeping you off soda. True. Yeah, it well, is true. Um, just somebody to check up on you is, and it's pretty common to get an accountability partner for uh, your money stuff. Um, there's also an app which um, Dave Ramsey actually suggests. It's called Every Dollar, and it's a budgeting app, and it is so freaking handy. Now, you do have to pay like a fee. I don't know if it's like a monthly fee or if it's just to like use it for like the year or if it's to use it indefinitely. But regardless, if you got to spend a little money to save a whole lot of money, then it might be beneficial or just take a class on how to write up a budget. Um, When you said uh, use an accountability partner for budgeting, how do you use an accountability partner for budgeting? Like, how does that look? It's a good question. I don't have an accountability partner for budget. <laughs> <laughs> didn't you learn about this though? Didn't, didn't they teach you at all about using an accountability uh, it partner? Was, it was it was more or less like, hey, it's a good idea to have this, and that was about it. Um, I would say if I had an accountability partner for spending, I would want somebody who, um, let's say, at the end of every week, you're kind of sharing your budget with them. So you write down everything that you're spending money on. And then you share that with them. And so whenever you're forcing yourself to share your budget and what you're spending your money on, then you're kind of forcing yourself to be accountable. The oh, key, because you're going to be embarrassed over those frivolous expenses, like frivolous. constantly buying Vans shoes. Right. And if they're like $25 shampoo. Guilty. Um, hello, Rebecca. <laughs> you're trying to save money. Why are you buying a pair of shoes every week? Or Guilty. Why? Um. Because otherwise we'd be wasting money on that outfit that I don't have any shoes to go with, Nathan. Um, also, for me, my biggest money expenses are food and gas. You can't really do anything about gas. Um, but food, you can definitely like 
be hungry for the 30-minute drive home and then just eat a sandwich whenever you get home. Is a sandwich better than noodles and company? No. no. Is it $7 cheaper? Heck yeah. And if you're saving $7 a day, how much money is that per week, Rebecca? That's math. Seven times seven. 35, 40, 42, 42, 47, 47, 49, 49. That's what we're talking about. (laughs) Right. I was counting by fives. Do you know if you hold all 10 fingers up and you put down the seventh finger, it'll tell you what the answer to your math equation Mm -hmm. is. I thought that was only by nines. Wait, is that what you just said? Yeah. Oh. No. Yeah. That's irrelevant. We're talking about budgeting. Maybe it's nines. Well, this um, is money, or this is numbers. Anyway, there's right. a lot of budgeting apps. Every dollar is the one that I use. I don't use it as much as I should, but I do use it, and it kind of helped me learn how to budget because it shows you everything that you need to be writing down and kind of how to categorize mm-hmm. everything. Um, and then, and you can like, let's say, like I have three jobs, uh-huh. and that's all. That's a that's a lot of paychecks. But yeah. it's not very much money in each paycheck. <laughs> That's besides the point. Um, I can sit there and be like, well, I'm making this much money from you know here, and I'm making this much money from here, and I'm making this much money from here. Um, and, you know, let's say you might not work as many hours one week as, you know, like let's say it's not salary. You might be working five hours less on any given week. Well, just budget like you're making the least amount of money possible, essentially. And then whatever extra money you have, throw it in the savings. And so if I could make anywhere from 140 to $180 every week, I'm not going to budget for $180. I'm going to budget for $140. And then if I happen to have another $40 at the end of the week, I'm going to throw it into my savings or, you know, <clears throat> go to noodles and company. <laughs> yeah, you are. Um, but I'm not going to blow the full 40 bucks because then you're not saving money. Um, or as much money as you could. And so as far as the best way to save, not spend money, other than budgeting and an accountability partner, uh, eat at home, Yeah, drink water. Nathan, you're an inspiration because uh, before I met Rebecca, my accountability partner was my mom. Um, she had my checkbook register, which had nothing written down. And the only time it was written down was with the fact that she's like, what have you been spending money on? Uh-huh. Let me see your statement. Oh my goodness! Yeah, how many golf courses do you play in a week? What are you buying? And so I had to learn quickly from her skills. Yes. Yeah, so, so by that learning checks quickly, don't represent it means money his mom in your account. did his checkbook <laughs> until he married me, and then I did the checkbook. So and it, she still does. I do because she's that good. I actually like doing the checkbook. You're really good with numbers. Yeah. And I always thought it was like me that had the spending problem, but then we learned it was no, more you. It's it's me. Have you seen my wallet? The receipts, the gas receipts. Oh, he like, keeps receipts. Keep... He just doesn't do anything with them. You go to Starbucks and they're like, you want your receipt? Sure. I was yeah. like, why would you want that? It's in our statement. Well, I'm going to ch- check it or you'll check it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, someday when when you hand me an envelope with like 5,000 Every receipts. year around <laughs> tax through. season. Oh, by the way, here's extra receipts. It's like listed by month. And like here's from January to February. Here you go. Here's very <laughs> large. Uh, um, <laughs> I, I will say another thing, and I don't do this as much as I should, but it really helped me early on whenever I was like new to having a card is – 
whatever your budget is for that week, let's say on food or groceries mm-hmm. or fun money or whatever it is, even gas if you really want to, get it in cash. And so I used to, at the start of every week, I would go to the bank and I would budget in 30 bucks for that week. And I could use that 30 bucks however I wanted, whether I wanted to get food or if I wanted to you know, save that 30 bucks for the next week's 30 bucks and then go buy a $60 pair of shoes or yeah. whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, just don't use your card. It's, e- it's a lot harder to spend money that you can seize. And so, uh, if so- you... If you if you have a, a a hard time like not just being like nah, I'm just gonna get it anyway, just carry cash, and then uh, you know at the start of each week go to the bank grab your uh, mm-hmm. grab your spending money, or just sell some stuff on marketplace or do that too. You can Don't start invite them to your house. Ex- <laughs> <laughs> invite them to the police station. I was gonna give some financial advice, but Nathan just nailed it all, and he's he so much better with budgeting than we are when we first got married or through most of our married life. So we've been married 20 years now. So 18 Mm -hmm. years of that, I feel like we were like dirt poor. And so now we finally have like extra money. Like before it was like totally paycheck to paycheck, like barely enough to go to the grocery store. Like Mac and cheese again. Yeah. And it was like weighing your fruit and vegetables to make sure like you could afford it at the register. And then... Um, when I went back to school and got a full-time job, like now we have extra money. And um, so now we do go out and buy some stuff from time to time, like Vans shoes and expensive shampoo. But it's like <laughs> we have our things, like those things that are like valuable to us. Like this is something I will spend money on, but I would say we're we're pretty tight on our budget as far as like not just going out and spending money all the time. On yeah. just random stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really good. Um, credit cards. Stay away from credit cards. Man, that is a rabbit hole. Costly. You do not want to It is to so costly. Yeah, don't, don't do credit cards. I don't yeah. even know how to get a credit card. <sighs> That's good. Thanks, parents. Um, I, f- I am really stingy with money, though, which kind of makes it easy. You are easy. very stingy with money. I uh, 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 Kind of a personal rule, I guess, which it's not really a rule I realized I had until I went against that rule and then I was like why do I feel so guilty but I won't buy something just to buy something like it has to be a necessity like I felt guilty about buying these shoes because my other shoes still work and oh function oh my gosh and those these, shoes were terrible these shoes I paid out of pocket like a dollar fifty because the rest was birthday money and I was still like you're welcome yeah thank you so much uh-huh. um, I was like man I just don't like it felt weird, but I do have the habit of whenever I buy one thing to go and buy another thing. Cause I get into this habit of just spending money and being like, <laughs> wow, <laughs> I'm loaded. I'm going to go buy all these cool things. And then uh-huh. by the end of it, I'm sitting there with my gluttonous stack of new things. And I'm like, I already had that. Like, sure. It's not as good as this one, but it wasn't broken by any means. I think it's good to have self-control over what you're Mm -hmm. purchasing, but don't go over the top to where you give yourself anxiety every time you make a purchase because Uh, I definitely have anxiety. You have worked hard to make that money. And this may be totally against the whole Dave Ramsey thing, but um, I think you should treat yourself from time to time. Treat yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's not against Dave Ramsey. He says treat yourself. Well, I don't know. He says budget in treat yourself money. Cool. In fact, your fun does money. Does he say it like that? Fun. He does, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's your treat yourself money. All and right. with every dollar, 
Yeah. There's a uh, there's a specific category for your fun money. Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. Next question. What is a good way to explain to the church quotation in marks. quotes that saying that you need to pray or have more faith when you're depressed is not helpful and honestly quite hurtful? I can't understand why the leadership doesn't seem to understand that actually pushes those suffering away from Christ. I was so excited when I read this question because I thought, yeah. oh my gosh, that's one thing that just drives me crazy. Like when somebody says, well, you just, you just didn't believe enough. You don't have enough faith. That's why you're still sick or something like that. So Jay West, go. I tell you, this is a great question um, because <clears throat> it addresses the reality, one, of everybody's humanity and brokenness, and two, that the church is not perfect. In fact, um, one verse to highlight in this question with an answer is Galatians 6, which talks about bearing one another's burdens. Well, bam. I mean, that is such a clear picture of what we need to be doing as the church for people uh, of all walks of life that are hurting. And especially in this particular targeted area, that's hard to get a grasp on because when you're personally in it, you feel like you can't grasp anything. And so when things continue to fall by the wayside, you feel somewhat hopeless and helpless. And so when you go to the church to read a verse like this, and yet it falls short, um, that is super deflating. So yes, there is a huge awareness in the local church, in the body of Christ, that we can do better at this, that we can strive in being more available to people, because we too, as followers, don't have it all figured out. But when we go to God's Word, which is our absolute source— uh, we each are recipients of how to grow in the, the grace and knowledge of that. So uh, this is a really great question, and it's timely because I think this is a real emotion, but also a very real thing that we each deal with um, because we go through seasons in life, and there's times we can all say, yeah, I really feel like the church was there for me. But then there are times where you're like, man, nobody showed up. What is that? Uh, and sometimes people just don't know how to respond, but that's where we need to grow in that. You know, and I think that's something we can all say, hey, here's how I, here's a takeaway from that experience and how I could really help that person in the future or help my own immediate family walk through something like them. Um, so I was sending a text message, so yeah. I wasn't completely listening to you on oh. that. But did you explain, um, like, if somebody says, well, you're still sick because you didn't have enough faith, did you explain, like, if that's true or not? Well, here's the thing. Um that is completely on our own intellect when we start saying things. We're, we're grasping for some tangible way to make it all better in that moment. And yes, we should hit our knees in prayer. And yes, we should take him seriously, voicing those things to God. But here's the deal. He can handle it. So you're angry at God. You just throw it toward his way. Why? Because he wants to hear from you. And so when we talk about if you've not done that enough, we're putting too much emphasis on people to do things enough when you are enough. That's the thing is that God's trying to get our attention with you are enough that he wants to hear from us regardless. So it doesn't matter how long you pray or cry out. It's the fact that you acknowledge who he is and then he meets you where you're at. Uh, I think that is absolutely significant. I think a lot of times in church that gets really muddied and it's like this blanket statement from whoever is speaking or trying to minister that throws this blanket statement out that that didn't really hit home. And I think just we, we need to be cautious with that as followers of Jesus. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong here, but I always believed that when, you know, the Bible says that, that you need to have faith, um, but I believed faith was 
believing that God is going to do what will glorify him. Mm -hmm. Like that the, the picture is bigger than us. And so when we're praying for healing or, or whatever we're praying for, we're praying that God's will will be done in Mm -hmm. that situation. And maybe that means that, um, somebody may not get healed here on earth. Somebody might get healed here Mm -hmm. on earth, but somebody may pass away. And that doesn't mean that God wasn't answering your prayer. That means that God's thinking of the bigger picture here and, um, that your belief still answered that prayer. Yeah. So I'll give an immediate example. So this past summer, um, my brother's wife, her name was Laura, and she was facing and battling a very rare and aggressive cancer. And through all of that, as a follower of Jesus, just asking why. Well, it went from why to the confidence and hope of knowing Christ and her eternity. So she knew that God was using her according to his will in the midst of her turmoil, her chaos, and her cancer, that in that process, unannounced to any of us, the day of her memorial service, her celebration of life service, this young lady approaches me and says, I need to tell you something. It was because of Laura and through her cancer, in her circumstance, that God used her to touch my heart. And I want you to know that I'm a changed life today and I'm ready to trust Christ as my savior. Oh my gosh. I mean, it was such an eye-opening experience because we're all dealing with grief and loss. And she made a choice in her grief and loss to celebrate her life, even as a believer who had a rare cancer, who was dying of cancer, to say she impacted my life whole new perspective shift on this life and when we face hardships and trials. And it was a very real moment for her. And she knew that she knew that she could have hope and confidence each day to live for God. And Laura died never knowing that that happened. Yeah. And she may have questioned up until mm-hmm. she took her last breath yeah. why God was allowing this to happen in her life. Yeah. But because of her obedience to him, yeah. this person will live an eternal life in heaven now because see her, of her yeah. example. Exactly. It's beautiful. Great question. Hmm. Bearing each other's burdens and to remember that we should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought. That's a huge pitfall. Pride goes before the fall. As far as the question goes of what's a good way to explain to the church um, that saying that you need to pray and have more faith um, when you're depressed isn't helpful and hurtful. um, I feel like... For one thing, it's kind of a newer concept to a lot of Christians, the fact that depression isn't synonymous with Mm -hmm. sin. Um, And I kind of had to face this recently of like, like, okay, hold on. It's not something that I understood before, but now I'm suddenly going through it. Of like, Mm. what do I do whenever I'm praying and I'm reading my Bible, and I feel really close to God, like I'm stronger in my relationship with Christ than I've ever been. Why is it now that I'm depressed? And it was kind of, it was through that that I was able to to understand more of depression isn't, depending on, you know, the kind of depression you're going through, which there is a, a sorrow and a depression that mm-hmm. can come straight from your sin. Um, and the Bible actually talks about that. I don't remember where, I think it's in John. Um, uh, but it's, it's very much possible that your depression is, is actually from God to teach you a lesson. Um, and it could be Mm -hmm. that your depression is an opportunity for you to explain to somebody in the church that 
what depression really is and that it's not um that what they're saying isn't helpful you know yeah. what i'm saying yep um because i grew up in the church and yeah. that was a lot of what i grew up with was like you're not you know, depression isn't real you just need to have more faith and you yeah. need to read your Bible. And then I grow up and suddenly I'm like, well, wait, wait a minute. Yeah. Like I'm reading my Bible. I'm having faith. I'm praying. I'm talking to God constantly. Why am I suddenly depressed? And then it was like, oh, we misunderstand. Yeah. Um, and so I would encourage you, listener, to have grace on the people in the church yeah. and maybe use this as an opportunity to open that window and say, hey, listen, it's not really, it's not all you've, it's all cracked up to be, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and maybe take time to explain that if they're willing to listen. Um, Nathan, that's really good insight. And it's amazing how God has used people who feel so broken over their anxiety, their anxious thoughts and their depression and how God has used them to glorify him and to bring others closer to him because they've been able to grasp the two worlds of feeling completely isolated in their depression, yet fully relying through prayer and faith in applying that that it's brought them closer to the Lord, even though they may feel isolated, other people have picked up on it. And it's a beautiful picture because yeah. it's redemptive um, and it's healing what's broken. And each of us can identify with that if we'll just be honest with God and with ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think this was something that was so silent in the church for so long. And now yeah. so many people are speaking up about it. And um, it, it's making a, a huge impact. Like people are, are recognizing it a lot more. Yeah. But as Christians, I think we all have a light bulb moment mm -hmm. where we're like, ooh, we were being really judgy about that. Mm -hmm. And then something happens to us and we realize, yeah, I was wrong on that. Mm -hmm. And I think every single person in the church has had that moment. So I think you guys are right on in saying, um, have grace in both directions. Yeah. yeah. And... Figure out where your depression is coming from. Yeah. You know, why try to really through prayer, try to figure out what it is that you're supposed to be learning in this time of your life. Yeah. For me, it was it was kind of a light bulb moment of like, oh shoot, this is a ministry opportunity for me. Yeah. You know, this opens up so many doors yeah. for me to reach people that I previously had no understanding of what they were yeah. going through. And so that totally changed my, uh, my viewpoint. And, uh, you know, in those times that I'm feeling depressed and everything, mm -hmm. it's, it's one thing, it's forcing me to rely completely on God to get me through the day. Yeah. And it's also showing me how I can minister to people who are feeling the same way. And so try to figure out what it is yeah. that God is showing you in your life through this depression. Is it stemming from some mm -hmm. sin mm -hmm. that you're not willing to admit to? Mm -hmm. Or is it something, is it a lesson that you're learning? It could be both. Mm -hmm. you or know? ask yourself if it's circumstantial or yeah. ask yourself if it's a chemical imbalance because it could just completely be a medical yeah. thing. That's right. a chemical imbalance, which there's nothing wrong with getting helping and getting medication for which is another thing that I think the church used to be completely yeah. against in their it's coming pretty silent too. Yeah, I mm -hmm. have to say in seminary, we learn different scenarios and events that happened throughout church history. And it's like, man, there so much more could have been done to assist getting people the help that they needed and desperately wanted. And it went silent. Yeah, mm -hmm. people suffered in silence, if not because of hemorrhoids, but no. you know, because of well, depression and stuff. Yeah, And hemorrhoids too. <laughs> it's a common thing. <laughs> Almost maybe more common than depression. Hemorrhoids. They're rough, man. 
Are they? I thought they were. Yeah. Oh, well, the I problem with hemorrhoids is that it really prevents <laughs> you from like ever sitting with the cool people. <laughs> or with anybody, really. For that sitting matter, at right? all. Yeah. <laughs> Just sitting at all. Yeah. <laughs> Though a cool seat might be. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly donuts aren't so appealing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. All right. One last question. One last question. Are you guys ready for this? Yes. All right. Also, can I just say, I really hope that we answered that last question adequately. I hope as well. I think we came at it from a few different angles. A few Mm. different angles. So anyway. So, So I hope so. Okay. Last question. So I have to ask if this Karen that almost killed Rebecca, the Karen that T-boned me and said I hit her, that's who they're referring to here. The, the Karen that almost killed Rebecca is the same Karen on the KMBZ Facebook page that's in love with Wicket, Wicket, the host of the Midday Show on KMBZ. <laughs> Plus, I wanted to test this text line out. Ha. Okay. <laughs> So the Karen that almost killed Rebecca is probably not the same Karen that is in love with Wicket on the Facebook page because the person who hit me actually isn't named Karen at all. Anytime we're mad at a a female, we name her Karen. Anytime we're mad at a male, we name him Gary. (laughs) Yep. I don't get to use that sound. Unfortunately, there's a Gary that works right outside the room that we record this podcast mm-hmm. in. So every time we yell threats to Gary, Gary! poor Gary thinks that Gary! we're threatening him. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I just... I'm sure he's filed a few police reports on us. <laughs> poor Gary. Restraining order. So, yeah, there you go. Wait, did you already answer the question? Oh. Yeah, it can't be the same Karen because the person that tried to kill me isn't actually named Karen. Oh. Well, there you go. Her name is... No, don't. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. We are not about to call out anybody here. Just kidding. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's all the questions. We freaking nailed Man. it, you guys. Wow. What a huge honor. Oh, my gosh. You guys. That is the freaking... What are Shock we calling therapy? this? Shock therapy live. <laughs> but it wasn't live. It was recorded. So it's right. just shock therapy. Right? Yeah. What if people hate this? I guess then we won't keep doing it. Yeah. But we only do it once a month. Yeah. I guess the question should be, what if the people love this? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. We I was going to say, more than once a month. you got great listeners and the fact that they're doing this, awesome. I mean, let us know. Did you like Jay West or not? Should we like not have him on anymore? (laughs) Yeah. Should we get somebody else? I think they're going to be asking, wow, Rebecca sure picks on him a lot. Is that common? Uh Uh-huh. All the time. It's a really one-sided relationship. We have a jovial time. It is so jovial. Jovial. You're just going to get to know us. Are you crying? Stop. Okay. Good. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so better. slow on the freaking. Uh, Gosh. I'm going to get better at that. I want to get a little bored that I can just go. Doink. And, oh, Is your finger okay? No. It hurts bad. <laughs> anyway, that's that. Do we have enough time Man. to talk about why we missed the podcast last week? No, we don't need to. Okay. No. It's at the end of the show. Sometimes it, uh, sometimes it doesn't happen. Okay. You know? And that's all people need to know. Rebecca's angry at me. Well, she was angry at me. I'm not angry at you because anymore because we're officially talking again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she didn't talk to me for like three days, but yeah. Was it fine. just three days? It feels like it was longer than that. Oh. Uh-huh.
Anyway, that's it. That's the conclusion <laughs> of the first ever Shock Therapy Live on Woo! the Nathan Rebecca's podcast. In the books. In the books. Love you guys. J-West, thank you so much for being smarter than both of us. So we can have you on and answer people's life questions. I think we collab well. I, I appreciate it. It's an honor. We appreciate you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you say yes, it like that? Yes, we do. We do. Oh I don't know. I feel yeah, like I have to <laughs> Join us next week for uh, marriage counseling with John Wesley Crockett and Rebecca Crockett. <laughs> I will tell him how he's supposed to live his life. Just keep balancing the checkbook. <laughs> That's that. Wow. How exciting, you know? Yeah. Cool. Why are you stalling? I'm not. I'm not stalling. Let's end the podcast. Do you want to talk about why? No, <laughs> I'm just We're at 56 minutes. I didn't know if you want to go you for the You want to stretch fo- it out for the No. Fo- we no, have, no, no. Oh, we have time to talk about last week then. No. We had a All great right. podcast That's the Nathan and week. Beck's podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, the good thing about everything we planned last week is that it's all timeless topics, so we can talk about it next week. And fill you in on why we missed the podcast. No, you don't have to do that. <laughs> Rebecca will be angry at me for another three days. Hey, our Snapchat streaks at four now. That means Whoa. that we've gone four days without fighting. J-West, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you, listeners, for listening. Thank you for their questions. By the way, we will be doing this on the 23rd of October. The number to text is 816-787-1511. 816-787-1511. Text in your life problems or whatever you got on your mind. Any and, questions. Uh, any questions at all. Or just say, hey, you know. Just text us. We'd like to hear from you. And uh, we'll, we'll do our best to answer them on the next Shock Therapy Live with John Wesley Crockett. Pastor mm. John Wesley Crockett. Wow. And it's not live. It's not live. Shock Therapy recorded. Doesn't sound as Shock good. Therapy. Shock Therapy Podcast. Nathan, you can just say J West. It's okay. Oh, should J-West we mention Crockett? that you we stole say. this from, from somebody else? Yeah, shout out to Dex and Steve-O from <laughs> Albuquerque, New Mexico for the idea. And Pastor Nate Heitzig. Morning yeah, Invasion. The morning Invasion. They yeah. started this. It's no longer in existence. So Rip we're piece. picking up where they left off. Thankful and hopefully you. they don't sue us for stealing their idea without asking permission. I'll send Dex, to my, Dex a message. Yeah, good, because they won't answer my questions. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. I'm not bitter about it. It's fine. It's good. That's it for the Nathan Bex podcast. My name's Nathan. I'm Bex. Oh, Jay West oh. Crockett. Okay, well, that was awkward. <laughs> you, just, you just pointed at oh me. Oh, my gosh. Okay. We out. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.